whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Raleigh, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ageless. So this is Kit just jumping on to let you guys know that we are so honored to have Amanda Klutz on the podcast today. Amanda is a television personality. You might know her from The Talk. She's also a fitness instructor and author of Live Your Life, My Story of Loving and Losing Nick Cordero. So Amanda tragically lost her husband, Nick, to COVID-19 in 2020. And today, my mom and Amanda have an amazing conversation about the grieving process. I knew growing up that my mom lost her first husband, but I just didn't know the depth and breadth of her grieving process until listening back to this episode I'm so thankful that in recent years, she's been able to open up to me a lot about what she has gone through, but I hope that anyone listening who has lost someone or is going through a different type of grieving process can benefit from this episode, and I just thank you guys so much for listening. I am so excited to be talking to you today, Amanda. And first of all, I want to say I love you on the talk. You're with my old best, best, best buddy, Jerry O'Connell. Do you know he's been my friend for so long? No, I didn't know that. Well, he's a Montauk kid. And have you met his parents? No, I'm dying to meet his parents, though. I've seen pictures and I've heard stories, but I have not met them yet. They are one of a kind. You oh. love them. Anyway, I just love you guys together on the show. And I just think he's the funniest, craziest guy mm-hmm. that I've been friends with forever. And of course, love Rebecca. And it's great. So that aside, we have so much in common. And I did not know okay. this. Yes. The thing we don't have in common is that it's been a long time for me. Yours is very fresh and I understand everything you're going through and it's been a year for you and it's been more than 25 years for me. But I was young, you know, I was also young. I was 34 when I became a widow. My husband died on the 4th of July. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Whoa. So and yours is the 5th of July. Yeah, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, it it was the 4th of July. We just couldn't say goodbye yet. But yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, I I now look at it with a smile and I say, of course, he wanted to go out with a bang. You know? <laughs> he wanted fireworks on his day. And... I want to hear your story, but I also want to talk about things that signs and symbols and things that you use to sort of communicate and, and, you know, stay connected to Nick, because I have a lot of those. And we, we made a pact, you know, we had time 
not a lot of time, but we had a, a little bit of time to talk and sort of make a pact. And oh, that's that. been what's kind of gotten me through it. Yeah. But I think everyone knows your story because you so bravely shared it with the world. But can we kick off with just a little bit of some of the most powerful moments along that journey? Mm-hmm. Sure. So March 31st, uh, or sorry, 30th, I took Nick to the emergency room, dropped him off on the corner at Cedar sinai Hospital. I, of course, wasn't allowed to go in. I didn't think that I would never see him again. So I, and I say that because I never did see him again as that person. I was thinking, I'll see you in two hours. You know, I was kind of like a, not annoyed, but I was just like, oh, and, you know, I'll pick you up. Call me when you're done, you know. And we knew he didn't feel good. And, of course, the scare of COVID and everything. So, you know, we didn't hug. We didn't kiss. I know he didn't hug or kiss Elvis. And he walked away, walked into the emergency room. That was the 30th of March. The April 1st, he was in the ICU. That night, they put him on the ventilator. And that was the last time I ever talked to Nick because I, again, was so green with everything related to hospital, especially ICU. I didn't really understand even what a ventilator was and what it did and why you were on it and why you would need to go on it. And then he had his leg amputated on the, well, he died on the table on the 10th. They resuscitated him, put him on ECMO on the 11th. He had his leg amputated on the 18th. He slowly came back out of being in a coma on May 12th. He woke up, but but that would literally was just, he was sort of able to open his eyes, move them left and right, up and down, follow commands here and there. Gosh, from then on, it was a tracheostomy. It was dialysis constantly. It was a pacemaker for his heart, a feeding tube. Uh, the weight loss was in- terrible. You know, he, he went in at 225 pounds, died at 148. It was a roller coaster of up and down, you know, feelings of he'll make it. And then feelings, you know, 20 minutes later that he has an hour to live. And then back feeling like he's going to make it. Lung transplant possibility at the end. But that, of course, never was going to happen. Huge bed sores because he was just lying on a bed and he couldn't move. Hooked up to possibly every machine you could possibly have to run your body. And then yeah, on, on July 5th, he passed. That's the that's the highlight reel. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, you know, my husband also deteriorated really fast. And it was really ugly and terrible and really just I can't really have that vision of him I try to only really think of him in the best most fun laughing and playing pranks on me and every you know like that's how I want to think about him I don't know that much about actually getting through the grief in the traditional ways, but there were a lot of ways that I guess I dealt with it that I think it's great that you're doing this now and just diving in so deep and you're, and writing your book. And it's just really important to do it, to get like, get started with this right now, because I think that I 
just tried to distract myself. And I distracted myself immediately with work, like crazy working, crazy hours, and then going out immediately with friends and like partying and just like, there's a couple of things that have happened. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened since then around that distracting myself from what I really needed to be thinking about and going through, like, you know, following your journey again, like it's been sort of healing for me, even at this late state here and there. So you're 34, get out there. I know you want a family. You're going to meet someone. I know you've said it. And I think that I can say with some perspective now that you definitely know. And I know you talk very openly about dating and how definitely don't ever get over it. And I like your rock analogy. That's the thing that it's different for everyone, right? And you have this rock and you just expand around it. And I think that that's like why now I've had so many years and so many made a lot of mistakes and that's a really great way to look at it. But I think also being sort of an optimistic person, gone through a lot. And I will say that something like this can almost make you even more optimistic. And sometimes you date for different reasons, right? You might date just to have that feeling again, but it doesn't mean you're dating, dating, you know? Yeah. No, that's an interesting way to say it. Cause a lot of people will say, how can you stay so positive about, you know, right now? And it's interesting to flip that switch and say, well, it actually makes you more positive. My good friend, Dr. Uh, sorry, not Dr. Rabbi Steve Leader, he says, it's the beauty that still remains. And if there's anything that life teaches you or death teaches you, it's about life. Well, I mean, I feel like I sort of had this epiphany that I was like, I was the luckiest person on the planet that I'm still here and that he would want me to be having fun. He wanted me to go on and fall in love and have a family because we didn't get to do it. And just like setting me up in that way was so, it just gave me that blessing of like, okay, this is what he would have wanted. And and I decided at that moment, I was like, I'm going to live my life for both of us. And I do crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know, we'll say yes to everything because he didn't never have a chance to say yes, you know, and he didn't have a chance to live those years, you know, these years that I've been living. And so, you know, I think that that's like, a way to think about it and get through it and put and push through it. And I know you have that, you know, that, that outlook. Yeah, no, that's kind of how I feel about it right now. It's more so just like, you know, it's been with other widowers. So it, it's not like these hot, sexy, romantic dates. We, we pretty much talk about our sad stories and find comfort in, in each other in that way. But um, it's more so right now, just about like, having another adult that's a man that you're going out on the town with, you know, for a dinner or a hike or something. But like, it's more so just about that adult company and companionship and connection right now. And, and it's funny, because in doing this, I have realized a lot like, okay, I'm ready to do this. And I don't know if I'm ready to actually like, 
have a boyfriend or if that's what I even want right now. I don't know if I want a boyfriend right now, but it's been helpful to just even just go on these few dates because it does, it helps you find out where you are in, in this whole process. Yeah. It's just been extremely informative. And, you know, it also made me feel like, and I feel like you'll feel this, you'll understand this too. It's like, it made me realize this happened the other day. I was just kind of like, you know what, what's great about my life right now is that I don't need to find anyone, you know, like I don't, I don't need to find Nick's replacement so that I can live or that I can support myself or that I can support my family. It's like, no, I'm, I'm actually in a really good place. I have a great job. I work hard. I love my son. We have a great connection. I can take care of us. And like, I'm actually like, I don't need anybody in my life. So now it's all about like, if somebody does come into my life, do you compliment us? Do you add to who we are already? Because we're good. (laughs) We're fine. You know, I used to be such a person of everything happens for a reason, you know, or just because of my years on Broadway and performing, you know, I would go to auditions and I wouldn't get them and I'd be heartbroken, but then I would be like, it's okay. It's, you know, because there's something else out there and like, everything happens for a reason. Right. And so that was such a huge part of me. And then something like this happens and that phrase just doesn't work. Right. That doesn't make sense. And part of what I'm going through right now in my grief process is like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, and it's not fair. And I hate that Nick barely got to be a dad and he's missing out on everything that's happening with Elvis. And it just really sucks. And so it's very hard to think about everything happens for a reason. People will still say that to you, you know, or they'll say, you know, God doesn't give you things that you can't handle. And you're like, like, really? Like, you know, that doesn't really help either. I think it's more so of a thing for me where it's like, I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, the things you go through in life really shape you. And and help you figure out who you are. And they happen maybe for a reason, but not they happen for a reason. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) They're happening as a trajectory that you are, as a journey you're taking in your life, but not because of some fateful I don't know. Yeah. It's- no, it's it's hard to put into words, but I think it's easier for somebody who hasn't gone through something like we have to say that phrase. And then I think when when a widow or a widower says it, it just holds a, a completely different meaning, even if we understand what that phrase is. It just, I don't know. It's almost like we have no other choice, right? This happened to us. And we really don't have another choice other than to move forward. Even if you're moving forward as I can't get out of bed and I'm, I'm sad for two years straight, that is your process of moving forward. And so we, we just, we don't have any other choice because we, we still are on this earth and we still do have to live and we still do have to work and provide for ourselves or whoever we're providing for. And so it, it ends up, unfortunately, maybe not happening for a reason, but defining who then we change to be. 
I really feel like without that experience in my life, I wouldn't be as strong a person. I wouldn't be as grateful. I wouldn't be as risk-taking in a lot of ways. Do you find that you're also like, and maybe you can tell me this wears off at, at some point, but like right now in my life, I'm very much like, don't let that bother you. Like in the scheme of what's important in life, like when I see some other, like some drama happening in, in either my life or other people's lives, or I'm really like, guys, like you're, you're missing it. Like, that's not what's important about life. Like, don't let that bother you. Don't, you know, oh my God. Like it, it, there's like a, a bullshit line that like, I think I just immediately cut through now. And it's just like, there's no time for anything other than these are the facts. <laughs> that is it. Guess what? That is a gift that will stay with you for the rest of your life. Because that is people. I, I always say I can kind of tell like if somebody's been through a loss and not or not hasn't experienced that at all, because there is that just cut, cut through the shit and be and you're like, wait, come on, what's the bright side of this? What's the big picture? Let's just focus on that. Yeah. Yeah, you know? don't get bogged down by all the other stuff that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be with you for life. I think it, I think about that every single day still. Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a gift. I love that you're saying that because you're right, it is. It's 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 nice to just have this this meter now where it's just kind of like, give me truth, give me honesty, give me the give it to me. What is it? And, and like, let's get to the point of it. Whatever it is, you can take it because you've been through the absolute worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Okay. What else can we talk about? I've <laughs> I'm trying to like organize all my thoughts, you know? Like, yeah, no, well, like actually I, I would um, love to like, because you, you, we were talking slightly about like the dating thing, like because I'm so inquisitive about how it all kind of starts to work in a, in a, fa- in a good way. And you've obviously found love again and you have a family now. And like, how was all of that for you? Because right now my brain is like, I don't mind having a dinner with somebody going on a drink with going on a drink. I, I actually love the company. I get maybe even excited, but don't try to hold my hand. Don't try to touch no. me. God forbid, don't even come in for a kiss because I will be like spotting you away. Like, don't you? <laughs> but call me back. And, yeah. <laughs> and how do I look right now? Is this, is right. this sexy? Because I still want to be sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Make me feel sexy and wanted, but then don't want me. <laughs> then don't touch anything. Don't touch the right yeah. I mean, that's definitely, that feels right to me. I mean, I don't have, you know, the answers. For me, it was just like, I kind of jokingly say when I go to the doctor's office, I can check all the boxes, widowed, married, divorced, like all of those. I'm like, yep, all three. Me too. <laughs> but, <laughs> I guess what would be the tra- traditional way to do this, I kind of did it all backwards. Widow first, then divorced, and now I'm married. So it should have worked the opposite. But like I was saying, like, I just distracted myself for like two years of not 
really dealing with it and being like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm 30. Like being 34 was like there was nobody I could talk to. There was no peer group, you know, like anything I knew about widows were like my Italian great aunts that still dress in black for like 50 years after their husbands died. You know what I mean? So like I didn't really have any kind of way to even have it register or something. It just didn't like it wasn't I didn't have any point of reference for anything and not really anyone to talk to. And it was pre social media. So it wasn't even like there could be a conversation. So I just avoided everything. And I was getting older. And at around 38, I guess, I decided, well, I really want to have a kid. And of course, I have to get married first, which was I figured out later, you actually don't have to, but you know, at the time I was like, okay, well, this guy seems nice and he is a super nice guy. We got married. I got pregnant right away. And like a year into it, we weren't together anymore. But I felt like if I don't do this now, it's going to be too late. Nobody, nobody's going to want me. I felt this like ur- sense of urgency that isn't, wasn't even a reality. But like at the time, that's that felt what I needed to do. And so I did it. And thank God I have my beautiful kit. And that's great. And her dad is a really nice guy and kind of in the background. And and so then I was a divorced widow with a little girl, you know, which is a little boy, (laughs) (laughs) which makes it even, I had to constantly keep telling myself like, no, you're okay. You're going to have love in your life, whether it's a guy you're with, or you're just, you're just going to be with your daughter forever. And I remember when she was born, I said, you are going to be my best friend for life. And we are going to go on so many adventures and we are going to just live life, the two of us. And that was great. And while we were living our lives together and having all these adventures, a guy that I knew that was friends, that was a friend of mine from a long time ago, kind of came back into the picture. And again, we were just friends for a while. And then I really wanted to have another kid. And at this point I was really old. So I was like, had to do IVF and I was like, okay, I need a sperm donor. And he was like, what about me? Am I not good enough? And I was like, well, I don't really want to get into that. I just want to have another kid and I don't want to get married. And I don't want, anyway, so we ended up having Gigi, my youngest daughter and, and then later getting married. So I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> it was a roller coaster, like you say, yeah. where you're just like elated one minute and just like crying. Like, well, when, oh, there was something I read a while ago. Didn't you say something about driving your car and you're crying so much you have to pull over because you can't see all the time? Yeah. Driving is the worst. <laughs> it always hits me in the car yeah. and it's so hard driving around and it's crazy too because Nick and I didn't even really spend much time together in Los Angeles so it's not even like I'm driving past things you know places that we ate at or memories it's haunts you something about driving and 
I don't know, maybe you're like looking at a restaurant and people are eating outside and, you know, it's a couple or you're watching a family stroll their kid or all the things that just like, yeah, they just trigger you and you just, yeah, start crying. But it's, and it's the weirdest thing because it's literally like a minute, maybe two, and then you're fine. And then you go, you know, it's like the weirdest, the weirdest thing. You literally feel bipolar. It happens to me so often that I'm like, wait, two seconds ago, I literally was just like bawling and shaking and hugging myself. And now I'm okay. I mean, not okay, obviously, but you know, not crying and bawling and shaking myself. (laughs) But I think that that's like, I mean, I don't know if I should say this, but I don't think that ever stops. You're always going to think about him every day. You're going to think about him and you may have a relationship and it's never going to replace that. Never, never, never. So you're always going to be thinking about him and crying. I mean, I think about that all the time. Just I think because of Elvis too, you know, like everything he'll do, you know, I mean, he had his, I took him to his uh, soccer class the other day and just watching him play soccer. And like, you're just, you know, like it hits you. I mean, like his first day of like kindergarten. Oh my God. It like, Anything he does, his first, you know, baseball game or the first time he's, if he's a performer or any, he does any kind of performance at school and he's up on a stage singing, I mean, I'll be a basket case. I mean, so you're right. I mean, it will, it will never go away. Even if I, even if I find love again and I'm married again and obviously would hopefully be very happy in that relationship and love that man as much, that pain will never go away, which which is, I think, what is hard about when when people will say something like, I can't believe you're dating again. Do you not love Nick anymore? Or I can't believe how, how fast you got over his death. It's like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> people don't understand the sting of their words and and how you're like, oh, trust me, I, I will never get over. I will never get over that. I, I, that will always sting. It will always sting. It's crazy, you know, yeah. but ignorance and you know what can you do it makes me so mad yeah (laughs) I know feel like they can say that or they can judge and there's just no way anyone knows what's really happening or and there's no there's no like rule book for the timeline well especially too because like what you said your husband was like you better go love again and you better you know you better do all this and and Nick could never talk to me but I know I know he would have said the same he would have made it a point and I would have gone no no never again I'm never loving anyone again and he would have been like yes you are you better there's a funny I I heard Chrissy Teigen one time say that if anything ever happened to her she always carried a note in her pocket that that says John did it because she doesn't want him to ever find love again. She's like, you can never be with anyone else. So she carries a note around that says John did it. Oh my God. That's so funny. (laughs) But I don't know if you have that feeling about guardian angels or like feeling that there's something protecting you and Elvis, but I definitely do. And I think that that is going to kind of like push you forward and you're going to know when it's okay. I think so. You know, I keep saying, I keep saying to Nick, cause I totally, 
I agree with you. And I'll tell you, before he died, I don't know what I believed about, you know, guardian angels and spirits and, and signs. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't think I could have said a yes or no. But now I am like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. I'll get in the car and I'll say, OK, Nick, I'm really missing you. Like, you got to send me a sign. And within minutes, something will happen. And it's, it's crazy. Best. It's the best. And okay. it, and it, it's bonkers, but also so comforting. And I really do believe for anyone that's listening that you just have to like, you have to ask for it and, yeah. and be open to receiving and seeing it because the beautiful things I've received from Nick, there's no other way other than him. Like the, 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 it's been really crazy things that I'm just like, oh my God, he is you like literally open watching. to it. You have to open yourself up to like, having that to being receptive to all of that yeah have you had a dream yet one only one it was right after his one year anniversary which was the july 5th i was in cabo and it was the first like vacation i had taken since he passed it was like the day after like the sixth or seventh and i finally had a dream and it was beautiful. I We were at this house that I've never been in, but it was like very woodsy. And he pulled in the driveway and, and I didn't, it didn't feel like he had been gone and like dead and he was coming back. It just felt like he had been at work and was coming home. But he pulled into this driveway into this amazing, one time when we were in LA, Aston Martin let him borrow a car while we were here. So for a, a small amount of time, one time we were visiting LA, we were driving around this gorgeous blue Aston Martin. So he pulled in in that car, gets out of the car in one of my favorite outfits he bought oh. for our honeymoon. I know. He just, he, he was his best version of himself. And I remember seeing him through the window, running to the door, opening the door, and then just like, running and jumping into his arms and giving him a hug and saying, it's so good to see you. And that was the dream. And when I woke up, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's well, the only one I've had, but um, I'll take it. So okay. real, right? I still have dreams you where it's too? just normal. Like we're going to the movies because he loved to go to the movies, you know, like oh. we're going to the movies and it's just normal you know, we're just talking and having fun and like getting popcorn, whatever, you know, like silly things like that. But it's real. I really, truly think it's like them letting you know, I'm okay. And you just keep doing all the good things you're doing. And yeah, it's like, I'm here. I'm right here. Everything's okay. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it was very nice to have that dream though, because so many people, since he's passed, have texted me or called me or DM'd me and said, I had a dream about Nick and da 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 da. And I, after a while, I was just like, great. So yeah, glad. Like, what about my dream? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for you that <laughs> this is your dream. Please keep it to yourself. Because <laughs> no, I mean, it was always nice to hear that he did, but you know, you just get so frustrated as the wife. You're like, come visit me. What yeah. about you? do we have to make an appointment do i need i know what's going on and then everyone's like no they don't come to you until you're ready and you're like i'm ready (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I think it is such a great feeling. And I think those are all great things. And I think that Elvis is going to keep reminding you of him. And I wanted to sort of say how, even though Kid and Gigi are other, are sisters from two misters, not from Tom, but um, we freely talk about it. They they know all the Tom stories, all the Tom stories, all these funny, crazy things. And like, they talk about him now. So I think like that openness to be able to share all those stories, obviously with Elvis, you'll be sharing those stories a million times a day and, and all that. But I do think like, Sometimes people are kind of like walking on eggshells, like they don't want to talk about, you know. And so I think it it is helpful to include in conversation like, oh, well, th- here's a funny story that Tom used to do. Or this is something we used or, oh, I used to I went there with Tom, you know, like I think that those things just help you through the process and also help other people to feel comfortable talking about it, asking questions, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. One of my like biggest phrases is how do you keep somebody's memory alive? You say their name. Yeah. You talk about them and, you know, you celebrate their birthday and you celebrate your anniversaries and you celebrate them at Christmas and Thanksgiving. And they, they, you know, you just don't stop saying their name because the minute you do it, it, it makes you feel like they are really, really gone. I mean, they already are gone, but you don't have to stop talking about them or saying their name. They lived, they were here, they were a part of your life. And it's, I think it's beautiful to, to talk about, to talk about them. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You're so sweet. It was so nice to talk to you. I do <laughs> want to say that everyone should read your book, Live oh, Your Life. And follow you on Insta and watch you on the talk. Thank you. And Tori. You're such an inspiration. And your positivity throughout all of this is so magical that I think it's just such a, a gift that, you know, the world has been given from you and Nick. Thank you, Cynthia. You're so sweet. Thank you for sharing your story with me, too. It's nice to talk about it, actually. Good. (laughs) Well, I'm here. (laughs) It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Hope you guys love this episode. And thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production. All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 